Last one, Swampert, also known as maybe you should skip leg day. <laughs> You're tuned into the GoCast podcast, your one-stop shop for updates, news, tips, and community in the world of Pokemon Go. Thank you for listening. It's a season of smiles, and Mega Glalie is happy to participate. The first of the winter holiday one-two punch is now live. It's a giant crab Pokemon, truly abominable. Facial hair debuts in Pokemon Go. Well, sort of. And more on this episode of GoCast. Hello and welcome to the GoCast podcast, episode 218. It's December 13th, yet another Tuesday evening. I'm your host, Chris, and as always, I get to say that again this week. I'm joined by my co-host, Kyle. Hiya. Hey, Kyle. How you doing, man? I'm okay. That's that's good. That's good. Yep. The big O, the big K next to each other, buddies forever. Now, I got a question for you. Is, are you the sort of person that capitalizes both the O and the K, or are you a lowercase OK sort of guy? Or does it have some sort of greater implication, depending on how you denote it? Uh, capital O, lowercase K. <laughs> You're a monster, and you need to be stopped. That wasn't even one of the options. How I know it wasn't. That? You didn't give me the correct options. So That's OK. Well, is there any meaning to that? Is it just because you'd like to keep them guessing? Or? No, it's just the... The, the O should be capitalized. It's, it's what it sounds like. Okay. Sounds good to me. We can move on from there. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Just like a comma doesn't denote a pause in language, a capital letter does not denote emphasis. Okay. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep saying okay. Uh, I'm going to let you try to figure out which one I mean. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> Before we get started here, a big shout out to our patron community and patron supporters. Thank you so, so much for all your support. More about Patreon and patronage at the end of the show. So, Mr. Kyle, uh, we had you missing last week and we had our good friend Tyler step in for you. Tyler, thanks again for doing so. It was wonderful to have you on. But you know what? Kyle's back. And as much as I hate to say it, this is objectively a good thing. We missed having Kyle here. We really, really did. Uh, so we did the goals last week, right at the beginning of the show, you know, as we do every single time. And the only two goals that you had set were raid day and 500,000 experience. And this was from Hoenn raid day. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I kind of deduced based on the fact that I saw you in about 15 lobbies that you did do raid day. Um, and I thought it was a safe bet that you probably hit your XP goal. I did. I, I probably, well, I shouldn't have transferred them as I caught them. Because I wasn't thinking about it, but I probably did like 50 raids. Dang. How many shines you walk away with? Uh, one Blaziken. No, I'm sorry. One Sceptile and one Swampert. That's it? That's it. How? I don't know what to tell you. I was kind of hoping for the Blaziken just to finish the trio, but it, it didn't happen. So, okay. Fair enough. Yeah, no, it was a it was an interesting raid day. I, I think I saw much more interest in that raid day than I was expecting. I mean, I, I know we were all jazzed about the megas, but you only really need to do like one or two, probably just one if you had enough people. And then you were like set. So I wasn't expecting to see the continued interest, but everybody was really in. Yeah, I mean, chance for megas is always exciting when it's relevant. Yes, that's <clears> true. Uh, it'll be relevant later. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Well, speaking of relevant now, let's let's get our our current goals out of the way that I have at least set for myself. I also checked in with Tyler, and over the weekend, Tyler set the goals of finishing the Keldeo research, Mega Evolve every day, and finish all of his GBL sets. And what? I checked in Hang earlier. Hmm? Tyler doesn't do GBL. He yeah, only he- does Sylph. He says he he PVPs a lot, and I asked yeah, him. Just not and I asked him if he ever if he's ever done all of his GBL sets before, and he said no. And so this was going to be like yeah, a new okay. thing for him. Uh, <laughs> but I checked in, and he said he only mega evolved every day. So uh, one out of three, truly in go cast fashion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for myself, I wanted to do the Keldeal research, the fifty eggs hatched, and two shinies. I only finished the research, so one out of three for me. It was a slow week. Despite me catching a lot, no shinies. None. Oh, I caught a shiny this week. Oh, what was it? It was a Machop. Hey, little green dude. I caught maybe 10 Pokemon this week, and it was Machop. One of them, one of them was shiny. Was the Were the IVs any good? or? I mean, it was not horrible, but not going to get used. Okay, yeah, well. I guess that's I guess it's really the, the point that matters. It's like there's a big difference between like a five 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 and a twelve 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 if you never use the twelve 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 anyway, you know? Yep. Same thing. <laughs> yeah, so one out of three for me and one out of three for Tyler. So there's just a bunch of ties going on. Um, but since Kyle's victory is still news to him, I suppose that uh, that applies. Enjoy your stale victory, sir. Worth weighing in that I have not done my Caldeo research either. Did you pick up the ticket and the research though i did i actually was gifted the ticket before i got a chance to buy it myself so thank you hasui and ryan oh notification i'm like no i was just distracted i was gonna buy it (laughs) uh ryan also uh gifted me mine and said merry christmas so merry christmas to you too friend thank you from both of us and then i didn't open the game at all on saturday and i had a panic attack on sunday (laughs) because i didn't remember if it went the whole weekend or not. So got lucky there. But you got the chance. Yeah. Have you made any progress? I'm on step two. Step oh. step three, whichever one is the yeah, step three to Balan a raid. I haven't done any raids yet. Yeah, I don't believe the Keldeo encounter is until like one of the last few steps, if I remember correctly. Of course now it's catch five fighting types and those don't spawn, so we'll see how nope. that works out for me. <laughs> Maybe there'll be some fighting raids or something that I'll probably well, do to finish it. De- December commute today, you'll be seeing a bunch of stuff around that you can you can pick up. Yeah. All right. Speaking of, let's hop into the news right quick. Yo, what up? It's the news. Okay, we have one new news item, but we didn't give Kyle a chance to talk with us about the December community day weekend experience. Tyler and I covered it last week, but it's um, it's. It's polarizing, as many event details have have kind of been lately. And so we would just not be doing ourselves any favors by not asking Kyle what he thinks. I mean, the the grand takeaway for me is I'm not interested at all in it. Okay. (laughs) And I'm probably going to play enough to complete the $1 research, and that's it. So Okay. That's it. I, I also don't like what they have to do now where they've divided it between two days for, like, which spawns you get. I get that it makes more sense if you want to target spawn it, if you want to target specific spawns. But what if I can only play one of the days, Mm -hmm. which is the case for me? Like, I can't play Sunday. And the only two spawns I'm actually interested in are on Sunday. So even if I was going to play this, 
this doesn't mean anything to me. I can't. Yeah, that's fair enough. One of the things that I was kind of talking with Tyler about last week was that it's strange that they did two to five. Well, it's not strange. It's a shame they did two to five both days instead of making one 11 to two and then the other one two to five to sort of like rotate around the, the love, so to speak. Um, but because they offered two different types and two different arrangements of Pokemon. It, I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense in any capacity because offering the two different times wouldn't work either. Because if you're only available one of the days, you're only available one of the days. Yeah. And by alternating the times, you then open it to somebody who was available two to five on Saturday, but they actually have to work 11 to two or whatever it is. Yeah, it's almost like 11 to five on both days might have actually just been better overall. Yeah, I just I'm, I'm also kind of salty that both Dino and Litwick are on the same day, which is just it's just kind of frustrating. Yeah, it's just how the the cards fell, I suppose. I do kind of like, though, that the ones that are going to be offered in eggs are also in raids. So if you want to pay for it, you can, but you have two different options. Yeah, it just means don't hatch it. Just don't do it. That's what it does mean for for normal people. Okay, Um, well, I hope you get a bunch of shiny badoo. I, I am. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have shiny Badoo fist over fist. It's gonna be fantastic. <laughs> okay. Well, let's move on to the the actual new piece of news here, and it's another event. Woo! Celebrate the season with the winter holiday event. Now, this is going to be just part one of the two part festival. Just bear that in mind. Trainers, it's the season of cheer for Pokemon and trainers alike. Some new and familiar Pokemon faces are joining in the fun and you and your Pokemon can look your winter best with brand new avatar items, poses, more. Join us for the first part of a two-part festive winter holiday event in Pokemon Go. So this is part one. When's part one starting? It's this Thursday, December 15th at 10 a.m. to Friday, December 23rd at 10 a.m. local time. So 10 to 10, the 15th through the 23rd. Mega Glalie debuts. Mega Glalie will make its Pokemon Go debut in Mega Raids. Big old smile. Lots of big old teeth. Gonna chomp them up. It's Pac-Man cosplaying as some sort of winter-based Mario monster. It's got a beard. Got a beard. That's a defining. As well as the teeth and the huge jaw hinge. (laughs) What hinge? I don't. Can it even close its mouth? I'm not entirely it looks like sure. It's permanently stuck open. I feel like if you ask a Mega Glalie if it can close its mouth, it'll probably just close its mouth on you. Don't ask. <laughs> Events bonuses: 50% more experience from winning raid battles, and trainers can store up to 40 gifts until the end of the event. Uh, that's nice for all the gift senders out there. Timed research for five dollars or the equivalent pricing tier in your local currency, you'll be able to access event-exclusive timed research. Complete the research task to earn an event-themed avatar pose, uh, which is pretty cool. You apparently like pull out a gift, you like hug it, and then toss it over your left shoulder, your right shoulder, and then catch it again. Yeah, it's a neat pose, but it's kind of weird. Like, it doesn't really fit in with everything else that the game kind of has going for no, it really doesn't. I, I don't understand the ho- holding it and throwing it over the shoulder thing. I don't know if this means something. Maybe. I don't know. But it'd be weird to see people do it in a raid lobby. That's very true. It's going to drop my frames, man. Come on. Other timed research rewards include two regular incubators, one incense, a bomb of snow, mega energy, various event themed Pokemon encounters. And here's an important note. Please note that timed research expires. The tasks associated with timed research must be completed and their rewards be claimed before Saturday, December 31st, 8 p.m. local time. Now, I want to come back to this. 
I want to finish out the rest of the event details and come back to this time to research them because as strange as it sounds, this is actually the thing that's worth talking about in this event the most. There are some other hype things, so let's get through there first, then we'll come back to them. Wild encounters, just in the wild for everybody. Pikachu wearing a winter carnival outfit. Swinup, Delibird, Snowrunt, Sfeel with the scarf. Snover, Vanillite, Cubchoo, Bergmite, which is a new shiny release for this event, by the way, so there you go. And if you're lucky trainers, Alolan Vulpix, Stantler wearing a holiday outfit, and Cryogonal. And eggs, and 7k eggs in particular, you can expect to hatch. Sneasel, Smoochum, Amora, Bergmite, and Crabrawler. Crabrawler was just added. That's a new Pokemon. Raids. In Tier 1, you're going to be seeing that costumed Pikachu, an Alolan Vulpix, the costumed Sfeel, Galarian Daramaka, and Bergmite, if you're looking to, uh, you know, target that new Shinae. Tier 3, Cloyster, Lapras, Stantler in an outfit, and Glaceon wearing the winter outfit as well. Those can be shiny, the, the, the Glaceon can be. The Stantler, obviously, yes, but the Glaceon Go for it. That's a cool. Good one. luck noticing it. Yes, but it should it should sparkle. So hopefully, hopefully there's that. In tier five, we're going to be seeing the last sword of justice, Cobalion. And Cobalion caught during this event will know a sacred sword. And of course, in Megas, we'll be seeing Glalian. There's that debut there. Field research task encounters will also give you a chance at encountering the outfitted Pikachu, Alolan Vulpix, Seal, Shelter, Jinx. Stantler with an outfit, Sfeel with an outfit, Crabrawler, and if you're lucky, Sneasel or Glaceon wearing an undersea holiday outfit. Very strange name for that. I don't see why it's an undersea outfit. Was this from some other event? I don't think so. I think it's new. Strange, right? I don't, I don't think it's new, though. I think I've seen it before. I, I don't think so. I think it's new. Maybe I'm just making this up. It's very possible. You can also complete certain field research tasks to earn Obama Snow Mega Energy and there's new avatar items and stickers. You know the stickers thing. Spin the stops. Open those gifts. Take a look at the main game shop. Uh, avatar items you can expect to see available in the avatar item shop. Two holiday pajama pieces. Bottoms and slippers. A gifting pose, which is the one we just talked about. A holiday hat, which is like a Santa hat. A holiday suit. It's a Santa suit. And a holiday beard. Santa's white fluffy beard on your character and yes in some strange strange way we've we've finally gotten facial hair in pokemon and i'm gonna rock this holiday beard until i'm able to recolor it that that will never happen no i guess i'm just gonna have to color my real beard in real life white you just gotta play pokemon go long enough and it'll happen naturally it'll have to right or if you play pokemon go hard enough it'll happen to you quicker all right, so let's circle back and talk about this timed research. Uh, a couple of things to note here. First of all, this is $5 for a ticket for an event. Uh, this is kind of a, a weird thing that we haven't really seen before. I mean, it's less than the big ticket that we just saw that was 8 bucks, and it's more than the $1 we see on community days and stuff like that. But the part of it that I feel like is most notable here is that it's timed. It's timed. This is not like the Caldeo ticket which plenty of people had lots of things to say and feelings to have felt about it, understandably so. But once you claimed it, you can do it whenever. You paid for it, you can do it whenever. This timed research, if you don't finish it by the 31st, even if you're not done with it, it goes away. And to me, that's that's kind of alarming. You know, discussions about value aside, I don't like that. I think that's a poor design decision. Uh, unless for whatever reason that they had to do it or they felt the need to do it, it is somehow shown in the research, which I can't even 
conceive of a way that it would necessitate being timed, uh, then I'll take it back. But I don't think so. First, I do want to mention there was the bonus ticket for Hoenn starter raid day that I'm sure you mentioned, but I'm also mentioning that I got that ticket. It was not worth it. No. Make that very clear. Was not worth it. And I knew it was not worth it before I got the ticket. (laughs) What about it was not worth it really quick? Because I don't think we got a chance to really talk about it at all. It just, it, it wasn't enough value for for the price I was, you were paying to get extra rewards from the raids. Yeah. Like, that was it. I think you got 50% extra stardust and more experience, but I don't remember how much more. And there was a, the whole hullabaloo about whether it actually applied or not because their game was not displaying everything properly and stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of visual bugs that was happening with this. Well, they say it was visual, you know, who over here was actually counting their experience as they did every raid somewhat. And it, and it turned out that in some cases, maybe not all. And I hope, I hope not all, but in many cases, people that did take the time to, to, you know, take a look and gauge how much experience and stuff and things that they were getting, like it did not add up. Sometimes it did. And sometimes it didn't. Yep. Yep. So moving out of this, I don't know. I'm just, I actually don't feel that strongly about this here because there's nothing actually associated with it. If there was a unique Pokemon, if there was interesting encounters besides just event-themed Pokemon or anything else going on with it, I think I'd feel more strongly. But like, if we weren't here recording this, this would just be something I wouldn't buy because it's not good. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you. The list of items or, or the other timed research rewards include Two incubators, one incense, Obama Mega Energy, Obama Snow Mega Energy, uh, and various event-themed Pokemon encounters. It's not worth five dollars on face value, and if you're trying to entice people to buy this, like you got to make it worthwhile. Like even the Keldeo ticket, that entire event, the the ticket price was less than those items, albeit at their new value system, but it was technically a deal. You know, it's, if you're not going to give us good boxes, at least make these tickets give you items that are likened to good boxes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know this. This has the exclusive purpose of adding to your stack if you finish it. Like that's it. Is you know somebody out there is like I'm cl- I complete everyone so that that list is as long as possible. I mean, I am that person except for that yeah. one now. But yeah. yes, but that's that's my point. That's that's the only actual value to this is to say you did it. I know. I'm really hoping that there's more in the research that makes it better. But if, if I mean, that's the case, then why wouldn't they say it? <laughs> yeah. But like, I'm hoping it's not because if there is something more, it's better. It makes this worse, not better. What if there's a second Caldeo in there and they're just not telling anybody? Uh, the <laughs> daddy Pokemon would be very disappointed. Uh-huh. Papa Pokes. That's right. Very, very upset with it. Yeah. So I, I don't know really how to feel about this. And I feel like actually that's not true. I don't feel great about this and I'm a little bit disappointed about it. I think the event itself is fine. It's par for the course. And yes, we do have community day this upcoming weekend. So it's not like this is the only thing for the month. And we have a part two coming, which hopefully is going to be more of like, Oh my gosh, look at this winter based finale. So I have one question and then we can leave it at that and move on because your, your key issue with this is that it's time to research. Why is that a problem? But a battle pass wouldn't be in other games. So in this case, I think it's a problem because you're 
paying for the tasks to do instead of paying for the chance to do the tasks over a period of time that's extended. This is just one weekend and more so it does. It is important that to state that context really matters here because it, this is setting a, a troubling precedent. Um, and it's also unnecessary. A battle pass thing makes a lot of sense. And actually there are some games that when you buy the battle pass, they let you go back and finish it. Halo Infinite's one of those. Halo Infinite's the only one they that have we know done of. it well. That is in the public eye. They have done it well, but generally speaking, the idea is the the FOMO of it, which gets you to buy it. Absolutely, I just don't think it's necessary. There's no reason to do it. Like if if there's the FOMO of us claiming it at that point in time, that's cool. I get that, no problem. But once we've done it, who's it hurting? Letting us hold on to it. Yeah, Nobody. Well, that's the thing, though. The reason they do this. The reason battle passes have expiration dates and all that kind of stuff, they're using it as a device to get people to play the game now. So this is a, albeit weak device, to get people to play for some period of time during the two weeks of Christmas. I now agree. they could do that better by making the game enticing to do so, but that's not really the discussion. That's a separate discussion we are always talking about. You're correct. And I don't think that's okay. Yeah, I, I know. I think that is okay for other games, but I don't think it's okay in this one based on just uh, a lot of things. Expect it more. I know this. I think this is why I'm so upset about it is because this is a red flag. This is a signal that this is the direction that this game is heading, you know, of just having no problem, just sort of like rubbing the agency of the marketing in, in your face. In, in order to make a quick buck. And I'm, I know this has been a trend for a while, but I don't know this, this seems significant to me in a way that other things just haven't, you know, because if they want more people to play, why on earth would you make something like this that, you know, people are going to be like, Oh, why did you do this? This feels disrespectful. Okay. Like, get a, yeah. It's a good way to get people to boycott your thing. Well, okay. So here's the problem with that, that thought process and stuff, because we talk about this in other video games all the time. The general public doesn't care. Yeah. They don't care at all. The vocal minority, the people who think the most about the game, who care the most about the game, depending on how you want to look at it, they care. But the person who logs in once a day, who only plays on the weekends, if they play one weekend in December, they might see this and be like, oh, I'll buy that. I like playing Pokemon Go. And then that's it. They're not going to think about There's no other implications there they've probably got you know 50 plus million people who play this game you know and they don't yeah 50 500,000 might <laughs> consider something about that and that's a large number yeah i guess i've been struggling with this a lot recently personally and maybe this is a little bit too real for me to talk about on the show here but but in like our position like where we are as content creators right we look at these things we react to them like when we start talking about marketing decisions that they make that despite knowing that it will make a negative splash optics wise they're able to say well that's a minority of people that actually talk about this like so it'll be okay on the bottom line or even better on the bottom line that stuff like puts us in a position where we have to say this is a bad decision, but not a bad decision for them as a company. So therefore yep. it makes sense. It still doesn't really make sense to the rest of us because 
that just hasn't how they that is has not been how they make their decisions in the past always at least mm-hmm. and just one final comment i think why how is this different from glaring mr mind's timed research that one you couldn't take till the next day that one was timed as well mm-hmm. it was one day how long was it i i think it was the whole day i'd, I'd have to double check but yeah, I think for me, I guess the difference is that it's one day instead of an entire period of time. Like if this is going to expire on December 31st, then why not just make it whatever? It was one weekend. Okay. It was Friday the 18th to Monday the 21st. Okay. Yeah, but this is going to be live for two weeks or something yeah. like that. So you're talking about we're two years removed from Galarian Mr. Mime. Yeah. And Galarian Mr. Mime was worse because technically that's an exclusive Pokemon. It also was kind it. of like... Yeah, it was there. It wasn't exclusive Pokemon. Um, but I think at that point in time, it was like a standalone thing and it wasn't part and parcel to an event that's already been established. Yes, that's fair. I'm just saying that like the signs have been here for a while. I know. And I know I'm like nitpicking here at this point in time. I'm just trying to justify the way that this makes me feel, <laughs> which yeah. is well, not I'm just great. saying that people were justifiably upset at Mr. Mime. And they're yeah. just, you know, we're just now catching up kind of. I agree. I agree. And wow, what a what an there needs to be some sort of like montage of all of our podcasting like comments on this topic for the past like two years. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, that's pretty much it for the holiday event. One thing I'm, I'm going to say really quick is that the special time. Oh, sorry. The timed research, not the special research. The timed research is running through December 31st. So I don't think we'll see a second one available during no. the part two. And if we do. It's got to be really good, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think we will. Wouldn't yeah. make sense. No, it, it would not make sense. But because we're us, Kyle, or rather because I'm me and I make us at least find one, one, maybe like two line line uh, weight silver lining around that storm cloud. What is something that you're looking forward to during this event? And if you say the holiday beard, I'm going to be really upset because that's my answer. It's not. A, I don't. I don't oh, okay. want to wear the holiday beard. My my beard is too thin in real life for that to fit me. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, Mega Glalie is neat. I, I like when we have new Megas because it just means that we're actually moving forward. <laughs> That's true. That's Even though we'll talk about Mega Glalie in a second. But the problem Mega Glalie, I don't care about any of these spawns at all. None of them mean anything to me, although the Glaceon outfit is, is kind of nice. I do like it. It is a cute outfit. Yeah, I think for myself, pretty much the same thing. I'm looking forward to the beard, though. Overall, uh, the seven kilometer egg pool is not that that exciting and not exciting enough for me to be really jazzed about it. Cinemora is cool. Crabrawler and seven Ks. I don't know about that, but that beard. <laughs> sign me up. Sign. Hopefully, me up. it like actually works with other outfits and stuff. If it doesn't, man, I'm here for that too. I love it when it looks jank. Let's go, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, it also could just like not show up if you have the wrong hat on or something. Oh, like yeah, that. or like a onesie and it's like, nah, not yep. displaying. I can't wear anything because I'm wearing a onesie. I need some new Gengar apparel to be added. You need Gengar sunglasses that are just like the two red eyes, but like real big on top of your They would eyes. look like that eye, the sunglasses from Gurren Lagann. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'd be for yeah. that. <laughs> all right well that was a that was an anime reference that means that we need to move on to the next section so next up is gear up so this week on gear up we're going to have a, a slightly belated conversation about the mega hoenn starters 
all of this also is assuming they have their community day moves as they were given for the raid day. And it's mostly comparing to other megas because as a general rule, megas dwarf anything that's not mega as long as it has a comparable move set. There's a, a couple of exceptions that we'll actually mention here, though. First up, we have Sceptile. Becomes Grass Dragon. For Grass type, is better than Venusaur by a pretty significant margin. And it's better than Kartana. And Kartana was already better than Mega Venusaur. Technically, if you ignore the mega boost that Venusaur gives to other grass types. And Kartana was like above and beyond very good. I mean, Yeah, like- there's... You would expect this from a mega. It's not really a question, but it's it's good to know that it it's there. Like it is the best grass type in the game. No competition. Yep. As for dragon type, it doesn't have a dragon fast move, so therefore it's out. And even if it did, dragon is very competitive, so it doesn't it doesn't matter that much. Next, we have Blaziken, the OG fire fighting type. For fire, it's better than Mega Charizard, who was the previous best. Even without Blast Burn, it's better than almost any other choice you could bring except for Blast Burn, Fire Spin, Charizard. So Mega Charizard? Mega Charizard. Yeah. Mega Charizard Y, to be specific. Y is better than X in Go because attack is weighted so heavily and the typing yeah. doesn't mean too much. But Blaziken's also a fighting type. And thanks to counter, it also dominates fighting type megas too. Even though its only charge move is Focus Blast, which is just not good in PvE at least. That said, Mega Lucario will change that, so it's not future-proof. Give my boy Secret Sword. <laughs> oh my God. No, Aurasphere. I bet you I bet you Blaziken can learn Aurasphere. I think Mega Blaziken could learn Aura Sphere, which means that regular Blaziken could too. I'm sure it does. Here, keep going. I'll I'll take a look really quick. Or you're already doing it. No, you're good. So it looks like as of Gen 8, Blaziken can learn Aura Sphere. Man, if they ever give Aura Sphere to other fighting types that are not Lucario, stand back. GG. All right. Last one. Swampert also known as maybe you should skip leg day because <laughs> water ground stay away from the grass for water it's the new goat i don't use that word very often so it hurts me physically to say that <laughs> but the real reason i even wrote this gear up was just because i want to present this fact for anyone who has not heard it mega swampert is better than primal kyogre who is not out yet obviously and I can't get over that because that's just too good. Now, unless Primal Kyogre comes in with Origin Pulse and Origin Pulse is amazing, that's kind of all there is to say. Very good. <laughs> and then next there's Ground Type. It's good, but it's not overwhelmingly good. Okay. That said, it is the only relevant Ground Mega right now. If you want to use it for attacking, I think we have Steelix is the only other one. Right. There is Camerupt and Garchomp. And I think those are the only ground Megas in the game. So Mega Steelix can't learn a ground fast move. So that's already out. 
Swampert's kind of the best just by default. Uh, Primal Groudon also, I guess, counts if you want to group it in with Megas, but I'm not going to until Niantic confirms this. So it will get overshadowed by Mega Garchomp and Primal Groudon, though, which is a great moment to insert. I don't remember if we said this two weeks ago because time just disappears, but Primals are not treated the same way as Megas are in the main series game. In case you didn't know that, Chris, I don't remember if we talked about it. So you weren't limited on primals. You could bring Primal Groudon and Primal Kyogre and a Mega into the same fight, which is kind of what every single match in the VGC turned into, but we won't talk about that. Who knows how they're going to treat that in the in Pokemon Go, though. So it was, you would just have the held item, right? And if you put it, if you put a, a Kyogre with the blue orb or whatever, it would just be Mega Kyogre when you threw it out there, right? It would it would evolve on its first turn or whatever. Okay, so you would you could have both primals on your team, is what you were saying at the same time. Mm-hmm. Could you have a regular Groudon and a primal Groudon on the same team? I don't. Uh, well, VGC doesn't allow duplicates, so I don't. Right. Remember. So because that would have been two Groudons on yeah, registration. Yeah. So I don't think we're gonna see it handled any differently than Megas in Go then. That wouldn't make any sense because I think they have a vested interest in keeping Groudon a a repeatable and farmable raid. Yeah. I mean, you still have to farm for XL candy even if you had six primal Groudon. But Yeah, but all the same, you know, like you do you see what I'm saying? I feel like they would be taking a lot of value out of it. If they didn't, because then what's the point of having the primal raids be different if it's just going to be a well, but so here's the thing. Can you have a primal and a mega at the same time is the question. Not can I have six primals? Well, that's not what I'm asking here. I'm asking just I'm just implying that I don't think it's going to be any different than the way that they handle megas currently functionally. I'm sure that they could probably differentiate and say you can have one primal and one mega at once. Sure. Or one mega and primals it doesn't matter they can be active but they have they're just on their own timers but i don't think it's going to be a case where you will always have a primal form you know what i mean yeah i mean that's that's fair i'm just i'm saying that there's the question oh yeah for sure but it's because they weren't clear in their announcements Oh, wow. What a surprise. Okay. Uh, moving on. Honorable mention, because we talked about it earlier. Mega Glalie is coming out this week. It's fine. It's as good as Mega Obama Snow, but it doesn't have the advantage of being dual type, which could be a disadvantage because four times weak to fire. But why are you bringing it to a fire raid? That doesn't mean anything. And it doesn't get the extra advantage of being dual type in Go, which is you can boost the candy for two different types with one Mega. So it's kind of just a dex filler. Although if you like Mega Glalie, go for it for sure. Yeah, it's kind of mid for me. I think having an ice type Mega is always good. Uh, that is not four times weak to fire. Yeah, but it, it just after, after this whole bit, the biggest flaw with Megas in Go is you don't use them for their original intended purpose. And that's right. kind of no frustrating. Abilities. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Well, no, it's just you don't you don't use them for offense. How often do you actually bring a Mega to be super effective against a raid versus to be the same type as that raid and not be in your party? Almost always. I usually bring my top damage dealer if it's Mega. What do you mean? I'm confused. Because if you're like, doing Mewtwo raids, yeah. you're going to have an Alakazam or a Slowbo Mega Evolved. 
you're not going to bring that to your raid and you're not going to Omega evolve a Gengar because you want an extra XL Mewtwo candy. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't use Megas like that. I use them offensively instead of for those bonuses. Yeah. And that's just, that's just, it's inefficient the way they've set up. Yeah. No, sure. oh, you're right. I agree. But that's just because that's the only way that makes sense to me in my, in my head, because as you're describing the optimal way to play, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. That's all I've got for the megas. We got some more Hoenn megas in the future. They'll be more fun to talk about for the most part. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. I looked up by the way, you were right about the other megas for ground. It's only Steelix, Garchomp and camera up the side from, from Swampert. So, yep. Got a nice little niche covered there. Let's go. <laughs> All right. That means that we're on to the Pokalore. And this week, we're going to be talking about Crabrawler, the boxing Pokemon, and Crabomitable, the woolly crab Pokemon. Yahoo. Starting with Crabrawler. Crabrawler is a crustacean Pokemon resembling a crab. Most of its shell is purple with blue and yellow accents. It has two long yellow antennae over its eyes. One blue eyelid is usually half-closed, giving, giving it the appearance of a black eye. The purple shell covering its body appears to be made of three parts. Two plain plates covering the shoulders and part of the chest, and one plate covered in blue stripes across its underside. A large portion of its yellow body is visible down the center of its chest, and a tiny spot is visible in the center of its back. Quibrawler has three pairs of legs. The two rear pairs are smaller, with yellow joints and blue tips. The foremost pair of legs has large blue pincers resembling boxing gloves. There is a small amount of meat in its claws, which is considered delicious. That sounds objective rather than subjective. Fair enough. A competitive Pokemon that hates to lose, this Pokemon uses its large claws as protection for its face and belly while it closes in on opponents. Crabrawler's pincers sometimes break off from overuse, but they grow back quickly. Crabrawler's pincers are a popular ingredient for paella, making a tasty soup stock. Crabrawler strives to achieve not only a high social standing, but a physically higher position as well. <laughs> it can be found clinging to buildings or even tall people and will punch anyone who attempts to remove God. it from its perch. In the event that it does lose, its mouth will foam before it faints. <laughs> <laughs> While it is capable of splitting tree trunks, it usually punches trees to knock down ripe berries. Many Crabrawler will gather around a tree to compete for the ripe berries. Crabrawler also preys on Execute. It has been known to mistake Executor for coconut trees, which shake and stomp Crabrawler off when climbed. Poor Crabrawler. Aw, just be mad about that. Next up is Crabominable. Crabominable is also a crustacean Pokemon that resembles a crab, but this one is covered in white fur. The fur is fluffier around its mouth, shoulders, and claws. The fur is absent on its face, the tips of its legs and arms, portions of its chest and abdomen, and oval spots on its back and arms. The parts of Crabominable's body not covered in fur are dark blue in color, except for the light blue on its face, claws, and legs, as well as light blue stripes on its abdomen. On top of its head is a patch of yellow fur with two tufts extending upward. Its face has white eyes with slanted black pupils and a large mouth where two blunt teeth are visible. <laughs> Below its mouth is a dumbbell-shaped protrusion. Together with its abdomen, they create the impression of pectoral and abdominal muscles. Its arms are segmented into three parts. The arm segments grow in size with the smallest being closest to the body. Its claws have a dark blue paw print-shaped marking on its tips. The mark that would be the palm of the paw is actually the lower half of the claw, 
Its forelegs are short with pointed tips that are freezing to the touch as shown in Pokemon Refresh. I have no idea what Pokemon Refresh is. I couldn't tell you. Crabomitable grew its fluffy fur to combat the icy cold of its mountain home. It can also store cold in its claws, which are capable of smashing ice walls or halting avalanches. In desperate times, the claws can even be fired like rockets. <laughs> what? <laughs> that was a that was a step. It was a real fast step, very far away. Pokemon Refresh was Pokemon of Me for Sun and Moon. Oh, okay, okay. Just mm. that was just the name. Thank you. Appreciate that. Additionally, Crabominable can freeze its opponents in place by firing icy bubbles from its mouth, which is useful since Crabominable has a slow movement speed. Ooh. Crabominable's detached pincers are said to have a delicious taste. Some trainers have been known to use Lechonk just to find these pincers. What? <laughs> nice way to just you know bring it into Generation 9. We love that. Yes, we do. Stats for Crabominable. Max CP at level 40. You're looking at 2907 and level 50. 3286. Really not too, too bad for a Pokemon that's not even close to legendary. <laughs> uh, 219 stamina, 138 defense, and 231 attack. Oh my gosh. Best moveset for Carbominable is going to be Bubble with Ice Punch, a Crab Hammer. Crab Hammer is a really good move and has been forever. It really kind of elevates crabs to the level that they need to be and deserve to be at. Personally, this is how I feel about it. Um, but there are some other movesets if you want to uh, change out for a fighting type. I think there's a fighting type charge move as well. But this is what was listed online, and I know better than to question the experts. All right, Mr. Kyle, any love for Crabrawler or Crabomitable? I like Crabrawler. Crabomitable is strange. I don't know. I didn't really like the direction that the evolution went. Mm hmm. Okay. I think it's a, it's a fun idea, the Abominable Snowman. It just didn't make any sense but we already have mega obama snow and obama snow yeah but like that doesn't mean you can't play on the same idea i'm saying that you can be clever with it it just didn't make sense to go from crabrawler to crabrawlable okay now the question is which one did the abominable trope better you know design wise probably crabrawlable it's it's tiny it's got the small legs which is a downside but otherwise i think the design is better yeah it's hard to say because I love both of the names. They're both really good. But I think I'm going to have to agree with you that Crabominable looks much more like what I would expect an Abominable Snowman to look like than Obama Snow does. <laughs> yep. That's for sure. All right, cool. But that is Crabrawler and Crabominable. Hopefully, y'all are catching some good IV ones out there and maybe even playing around with them. Because uh, Crabhammer, again, pretty good. Pretty good. That's enough for Pokepole. But that's enough for Pokalore. We're going to move on to the Pokepole. So last week's Pokepole was, it's the holiday season and there are so many exciting events happening in Pokemon Go. What are some of the best ways to balance playing Pokemon Go and time with family and friends? First one's from Clothar, also known as Rob. Hi, Rob. Hello, Rob. Niantic has been overwhelming with events for so long now that it's helped me be cured of FOMO. I find it super easy now to just say no to an event if I have something planned. No more changing my plans for events. I relate to this so hard, even though I still change plans for events. It's because it's I want to, not because I'm like, I need to play this event. So it's a, it's a fair takeaway, I think. 
Yeah, I agree. I think especially with so many things happening on weekends, uh, you know, how many times are you going to try to like move your work around, right? When they're just so frequent. It was one thing when it was once a month, right? But now it's two. Every other weekend. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Next one's from Clifton B. They said, I used to try and get my family obligations planned way ahead of time so I could have focused play for every event. Now I don't really worry about it. If I miss an event, it's no big deal. It always comes back. It does come back. And I feel like now more than ever is that appropriate. Unless it was Armored Mewtwo and the clone starters. Yeah, that's Those don't true. Come back. Those the Armored Mewtwo back. did, but the clones did not. Yeah. Well, I, I, won't, I won't expect Armored Mewtwo to ever come back again. Probably not. I would agree. It would have to have a purpose. But anyways. <laughs> Next one's from Boris Yeah, And they said, Mom, Dad, remember when I was 10, I left home to become a Pokemon trainer? Well, it's come to the point where I have to work during the holidays. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's all right. That's all right. Next one's from Jay. And they said, I've learned to manage it by prioritizing holiday plans and then Pogo events. I have found taking a break from holiday events by playing Pogo events has been helpful. I try to keep Pogo play to an hour or two because I know events in Pogo will always come back at some point in time. Hey, there it is. There you go. Good. Good work on that one. I agree. There's the wisdom. Yeah, I think using Pokemon Go as a break from other events is nice. That's a good way of viewing it because it makes your priorities rather clear. Or you could do it the other way around. I guess it's it's really up to you what where your priorities are. You could you could use your family as a break from Pokemon Go. You you could. You could. <laughs> Depends I don't how think you feel I would, about your family. I, I guess so. I think generally speaking, though, people would probably say that interactions and plans with others would be prioritized over Pogo, but as an escape or a foil to the things that you are obligated to do. I think it has so much more time. You know. Yeah. Last one's from Triptando, and they said, with the upcoming winter holidays event, I'm not worried about missing out. There's not too much to miss out on. Spending time with family will forever be way more valuable than some sparkly Pokemon. And I like to go for a walk during the holiday season every day. So the Go Plus is my biggest friend. The biggest miss could be the unfortunate timing of Hisuian Avalog Raid Day. Although I understand it's scheduled on the weekend. Yeah, I'm just going to do one of those and stop though. So it's okay. Still (laughs) not missing out on too much. It's also still just like, why make it two to five if it's Christmas Eve? Why? Why not 11 to two? Yeah. Why not? Because everybody's different. That's why. There are a large chunk of people in the United States who celebrate entirely on Christmas Eve. And then Christmas Day is just for relaxing. Yeah, I've always been jealous of those people. Always I mean, and forever. <laughs> I, I've always had... I have, Until I started working, I always had to do two parties and I hated it. There was a yeah. separate family on Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day. And I was like, please... Now I just do Christmas Day and it's fantastic because <laughs> yeah. I'm working yeah. Christmas Eve and no one can tell me otherwise. There we go. Yeah. So I, I'm in a similar situation. If we're opening up about this a little bit, like we used to drive out to my grandparents on my mother's side on Christmas Day. We would drive out to my my grandparents and extended family on my father's side on the eve. So we would make two big trips both days. But now that my surviving grandparents are in a retirement home rather close uh, to the rest of us, that's that's one trip. That's one trip down, and we still get to see them. That's fantastic. But 
Yeah. <laughs> I think I would have, I think I would have really liked to have had some Pokemon go events to sort of like play in the car and clear my head and stuff like that in between these family events when I was a kid for sure. But anyways, from the holiday times to this week's Pokepoll, how do you feel about Niantic making changes to pre-existing annual events? Do you think exploring these changes are good or bad for the game overall? Oh man, Chris. Yeah. Would you like to go first or weigh in? I'm going to make this pretty short. I think experimenting uh, with standard things in a game is good overall. I think consistently undercutting things, knowing that it's going to mess with people's expectations and going to get a bad response out of it over and over again is not a good way to experiment with things. Uh, so, so yes and no is my answer. Yeah, I, I think I agree to an extent. I think for me, there's nothing wrong with experimenting. But when you change a lot of things, it starts to become a problem because then you don't actually know what your experiment did. You need yeah. controls. You just you need to go with something that works too. When something works really well, there's no reason to change it drastically. One step at a time. Mm-hmm. I, I think when I say that, I'm thinking most notably about the change to Hoenn Tour. And I get it. Two points don't make a pattern. But the logic behind the two points just made so much sense. When it comes to changing regular events, you have to keep with the strong theming. You know, Halloween has to be ghost themed. There's not really an option. You can't change stuff like that. Christmas is always ice themed. And that's about it. Where's our water festival, Niantic? It's been five years. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to our water festival? But other than that, the change to events is good as long as they don't do too many timed research. But we're going to we're going to have to see as we move forward. <laughs> Can you be more specific about the things in Hoenn tour? Like the one or two big things that are changes that you're like, oh, boy, about. So there's two in particular. One and one of them could be solved with better communication. I don't mm -hmm. know. One is it shouldn't be an in-person event. I, it doesn't make any sense. It just it just doesn't make any sense. It's not comparable to a GoFest or a Safari Zone especially with such short notice, like two and a half months we had, yeah, maybe three months around Christmas time. Yeah. Like what? And two, not having the same bonuses available to the, the whole world. We, we don't know what that actually looks like, but we know we don't have to pay for it. So it seems very unlikely that everybody's going to have boosted shiny rates for the duration of that global tour. So those, those two really stand out. The second one bothers me more than the first one. And the second one could just be poor communication. We won't know until the day of. Well, the day before when New Zealand beta tests it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, I don't know how to feel about I don't know how to feel about it yet until it kind of happens. Because if the in-person event is really, really good and then the global event is just as good, but they didn't have like the cool in-person stuff, I feel like that's kind of worth it. But on the other hand, the in-person Hoenn Tour ticketed event, the ticket is so pricey. That if that doesn't feel special, that's going to feel real bad. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of a catch-22, and I feel like they might have shot themselves in the foot either way. But that's kind of the case for everybody's interpretation of everything that Niantic does. Even when we've, even when you and I have agreed that, yeah, this was a good change, there have been people that are like, this is the worst thing they've ever done. And that's always going to be true. Uh, but 
Yeah, in this case, I think they might have really caught themselves in the middle. <laughs> That's yep. a good point. But anyway, uh, the larger question here is overall. So if you, dear listener, have a question to this week's Pokeball question, which is, how do you feel about Niantic making changes to pre-existing annual events? Do you think exploring these changes are good or bad for the game overall? You can, of course, uh, respond to it. We post it on Twitter. If you're a patron of ours, we have a Pokepole-specific channel. If you're listening to us on Spotify, specifically in the mobile app, you can answer the Q&A question uh, when you go to the info about this one episode. You can also leave us an email to mail at gocastpodcast.com and answer this here Pokepole question or send us anything else. Uh, you can also, lastly, leave us a voicemail at 262-586-7717 and you can answer the question there. You can leave us a regular voicemail. You can say, hey, how do you do? You can do whatever you want. Just give it a call. Um, you can also email us a, an audio file. That's fine, too. No worries. But before we get into anything else related to emails, voicemails, and all that good, good stuff, we're going to pass it on over to Fish and DeFi-E, who this week are going to continue on with a more current conversation of the upcoming cups in both GBL and Silph Arena, and much, much more as always. Over to the two of you. Hi, I'm Fish Anaheda. And I'm DeFi 250 And this is PvP Corner, the PvP segment that is the first gym in the Hoenn region. DeFi, what is going on in PvP? Well, now I'm just thinking about what the first gym in the Hoenn region is. I can never remember anything past Gen 2. It's the rock gym, right? It's rock rock one? The rock one. She's got a promo pass. Isn't it? Like it's a, or no, nose pass, a nose pass. It's not evolved. Yeah, yeah, not Um, promo pass. I don't yeah, think Probopass was a thing until Gen 4. You would be correct. So it's a nose pass as her yeah. um, ace. And I remember that being very not fun if you picked Torchic. Yes. Oh, boy. But I always picked Mudkip, so. Yeah, it was Mudkip in Gen 3 and uh, originally originally Chikorita in Gen 2, actually. So that was difficult facing Faulkner in the first gym. Yep. Anyway, what's going on in PvP? (laughs) Well, Fish, how was your last week in PvP? We just wrapped up, or we're just wrapping up Open Great League and then the Fighting Cup Remix. Uh, Pretty good. I got my ELO at 22.45 introductory ELO. That's impressive. Yeah, I was pretty happy with that. I don't know much about the relationship between previous season's final ELO and how it affects your elo in in the new season i did see someone post a formula i don't know what his source was on that but it talked about how uh, essentially the higher you finish your elo the higher you're starting elo in, in the next season as well and and uh you know as long as you maintain that then you'll get a good elo when it is revealed at rank 20 yeah, I'm really close to finding my ELO, maybe three sets worth. I'm right at the end of rank 18. And then to get past rank 19, you just need to do those five battles. And then you get your ELO at rank 20. So I will be able to report back easily next week and let you know what that will be. So very curious. I'm doing really well, though. Out of 190 battles, I have 110 wins. That's good. That's good. That's about, if I put it in the calculator real fast, that's about a 58% win rate, which is definitely not bad. 
Yeah, that's. Yeah, I mean, you can't hope to get that much better than that. So I'm, I'm expecting good things for DeFi. I'm hoping so. Not so much a good thing. I didn't really enjoy the Fighting Cup remix. I really missed Buzzwool and the Dragons. Did not miss Sneasler. Was okay with Sneasler being gone, but I missed the other three. So that was kind of a bummer, especially since I didn't or I do not have a Galarian Farfetch'd that I wanted to power up. That would have been really fun to use, mm-hmm. and I just didn't have one. I had a Toxicroak like everyone else, and then I used Machamp and Polyrath, where I think I really would have enjoyed if I had a Hisuian Sneasel or a Galarian Farfetch'd. I think I would have had a lot more fun with those choices. Not like the team was bad, but I just... It was kind of boring seeing the same 10 Pokemon over sure, sure. and over and over. <laughs> so... I got a little bit more fun out of the Open Great League. I ran the original Gobbler Squad because there's less Trevenant around, and Trevenant was kind of what put the the nail in the coffin of that team. <laughs> of that squad, yep. Yeah, so that's Altaria and Defense Deoxys and Lantern. And Lantern's much better now with Surf, so... Yeah, okay, so for me, I I had nothing bad in particular to say about Fighting Cup. I did enjoy it, but after a bunch of losses in a row, I was like, oh, maybe I'll switch over to Grey League and see, see what's going on over there. And I've been doing pretty well, been messing with the team a little bit. The current iteration of my Great League team is Abomasnow, Shadow Abomasnow, Lantern, and Shadow Gliscor. And... There's some underrated picks. Lantern, not so much. I think it, we all know what Lantern can do, but Shadow of Bomber Snow, like, I've been able to beat a couple of Galarian Stunfisks with Shadow of Bomber Snow, and the Shadow Glasscore just nukes everything. Just one shots a Bastiodon, one shots Lantern, it, uh, like a one shot at a Swampert with it, which, uh, you know, Earthquake's neutral against that. Uh, so, yeah, really, really recommend checking out Shadow Glasscore. Yeah, Gliscor is a really, really fun pick, and I've used it a lot in limited meta sylph formats. I'm really happy to see it get a buff after the wing attack buff. I'm really excited to see it being used a little bit more frequently. So what's coming up next? We have from December 15 to 22, we have Open Ultra League and Ultra League Premier Classic. The last time that we're going to get the Premier Classic format, of course, we will be getting Premier in future seasons but classic is no more so the top 10 on pv poke is charizard shadow and regular form glasgow shadow and regular form trevenant dragonite shadow and regular swampert shadow and regular coma o steelix surfetched aurorus and shadow wall rain so these are all some really fun picks, and a lot of them you'll still be able to use an Ultra Premier. So, for example, Swampert, you don't need XL Candy to build an Ultra League Swampert. Or I think it's really interesting to see how popular Aurorus is or how busted Aurorus is in, in all of these metas where it is now allowed. Aurorus, again, is a rock and ice type. It is a fossil Pokemon from Generation 6. It has Powder Snow as a fast move, Weather Ball Ice, and then it was recently given Meteor Beam, which is a nuke move. Uh, what's the boost on Meteor Beam? Is it guaranteed? What is it? A guaranteed attack buff. 
Ooh, yeah, that's yeah. good. Guaranteed yeah. attack buff. I knew it was like it's like it's a big heavy hitting move, huge, and I knew it had a guaranteed buff, but I wasn't sure if it was attack to or defense. Guaranteed buff to attack. It is busted. And it's like a kid, uh, like a sixteen year old kid getting a convertible for Christmas. <laughs> it's it's so busted now. I don't have a ton of Amara or Aurorises, but for Aurorus, it needs to get close to level 40, like level 36, 37, but definitely something that you'll see again in Ultra Premier. So I think it would be a worthwhile investment for sure. It's basically, it's got similar play to Warrain. Uh, the biggest differences are, I mean, it, it, absolutely struggles against fighters because it's double weak to them it's also double weak to steel so its typing isn't the best it does have the advantage of beating war rain pretty comfortably as long as it can avoid that earthquake and apart from that it, it takes out the flyers just as easily as war rain does a lot of the rest of its matchups are pretty similar all right so if you try out in Aurorus in Ultra League Premier Classic or Ultra Premier let's next season, let us know how it goes. Let us know if you love Meteor Beam as much as Niantic does. <laughs> Moving on to December 22nd to 29th, we have the Open Ultra League again, as well as Holiday Cup Great League Edition. Holiday Cup is a really fun meta. Only normal grass, electric, ice, flying, and ghost type Pokemon are eligible. Your PV Poke Top 10. It's back. It's Aurorus topping the chart <laughs> at number one, followed by Toge de Maru, the Pikachu clone from the Alola region, the little electric steel Pokemon. Then we have Dubwool, more sheep. I love it. We just need to have another event that features Wooloo. Please, <laughs> please, please Niantic. You gave, you made Dubwool better. Now you need to give us some Wooloo back in the wild. So just to recap, that was Aurorus, Togedemaru, and Double. Number four is Lantern, Altaria, Obstagoon, Vigoroth, Shadow, Abomasnow, Pachirisu, and Snowy Castform. Look, we'll talk more about this next week as Holiday Cup comes around, but I think this is really exciting looking. I think it's probably the biggest change in a holiday cup we've seen so far we've, like they do this every year right this is the third year of holiday cup it might be i know it's a pretty consistent meta auroras definitely is getting a huge like it's far and away the best pokemon in the cup mm. but everything else is pretty like even and there's a lot of options i think you used kind of what was it that 80 mark for Pokemon yeah, before 80 or 82 I still haven't decided like where to where to draw that line well even it let's just use 82 mm -hmm. 65 Pokemon <laughs> 65 yeah, wow. options wow. uh as compared to like seven <laughs> in fighting cup <laughs> yeah. so we're definitely going to see a lot more variety uh Pokemon like Miltank Pokemon you know Sableye is allowed here uh, you'll have your charmers in things like Wigglytuff, Dunsparce, and Zangoose. Just these fun, different picks I think could be really interesting, and we will talk about it more next week. From December 29 to January 5, we have Open Master League and the Ultra League edition of the Holiday Cup. So normal grass, electric, ice, flying, and ghost-type Pokemon. 
ranks are not yet out on PV Poke as of the recording of this podcast. So we will bring you the top 10 of that as soon as we can. In the meantime, let's move on to our self check-in. And we've got a couple of bits of news here. The first is uh, DeFi. They've released information talking about how factions metas and GBL metas will overlap. Yes. Uh, spoilers. They've been talking about it as spoilers. It's spoiler time for next season. So factions metas will overlap with self arena metas. Their hope, they say, is that by reducing the number of metas that need to be learned, players who compete in both factions and individual self will be able to better focus. There's also going to be some go battle league themed metas to be ranked around the time they are in rotation. So this, again, is trying to make it so there are a few less metas to learn. You can focus in a little bit more. And I like that change. I think mm. it'll be a little feel a little less chaotic to have some comfortable metas, but still something different than Go Battle League because Go Battle League is just the blind three. You can take those same formats. You can take those same Pokemon and compete in individual self. I like that the Pokemon that I'm using for factions, I can then use in individual self arena so i think that's a really good change but they do note there will still be opportunity for some unique metas too which mm -hmm. i just love i have nothing bad to say about that announcement self have always been really really good at having their ear to the ground understanding what the player base as a, a general populace wants and or needs and responding to that they, like it's it's incredible how well they do I agree. And I think this is something that people are really going to appreciate. Yeah. I haven't seen, I haven't really seen any negative things about it online. Lots of, lots of positives. That brings us to the next announcement, which is, I think there's more to talk about with this one. So I'm going to read straight from the article. They say this next season in the Silph Arena, there will be a new approach to monthly cups regarding competitor rank. Starting in January, the competitive season will feature waves, two-month-long periods to give competitors flexibility about how and when they compete. There will be three waves in the season before the championship series begins. Details on the season roadmap will be available soon. Each month within a wave will have unique cups and metas to keep tournaments interesting and challenging. All right, let's talk about this waves and ranking. Remember that old you'd pick a tournament to be your 10 times weighted, two times weighted? Throw that out the window. No more. Instead, for this new season, ranking will be counted by the number of rounds rather than full tournaments. Each wave, so in each two-month period, you get 40 tournament rounds that will all count equally towards your rating. These could be in the round robin format, which will, it sounds like will be new for this season. They will be implementing round robin as a ranked tournament system or your traditional Swiss bracket like we've had in previous seasons. Any play in tournaments that exceeds those first 40 rounds will not impact your rank. So that's really nice. You can choose as a battler. I'm going to focus and do all my battles in January and maybe lay off in February, take a break. Or you can spread them out a little bit over the two months. So this freedom to choose is really, really nice. Rounds are counted and used chronologically. So if you start a seven-round tournament in January, that uses seven rounds right away. Buys don't count. You don't get to pad your ranking with those free wins so buys do not count and they don't count towards your ranking 
if a tournament has more rounds than the number remaining in your allocation, so let's say you're at you've done 37 ranked rounds and you start a four round tournament, that would put you at 41. That last round in that tournament isn't going to count. There's no penalty for doing extra rounds or extra tournaments. You do not get penalized. It's just anything you do extra doesn't count. This is big. Competitors, <laughs> this is a bit this is a big change but this is a big note. Competitors are responsible for keeping track of their rounds. It is your job as a battler to keep track of your rounds. It is not the Silf Arena's job to remind you how many rounds you've done. Two other quick notes. If a competitor withdraws or is removed from a tournament before all the rounds are completed, any round you played will still impact your rank. But if you withdraw, all of those rounds still count towards your 40. So they give an example. If a competitor drops from a five-round tournament but only competed in the first three rounds then dropped, they still have used five of the 40. So it really encourages battlers to stick in a tournament for the entire tournament, which I really like. Anything that encourages battlers to stay in the tournament the whole time, I'm a fan of. If a tournament is canceled before the first round, no rounds are taken away. So that's not your fault. If a tournament is concluded before all rounds are played and reported or is not concluded before its eligible time reign, it becomes unranked and then it doesn't count anyway. So I think they addressed all of the possible what ifs in this. I'm really excited to see the season roadmap that they put out right away at the beginning of the season. Fish, what do you think? I just gave a lot of information. Mm. I'm a fan of all of it. So there's a concept in like i've seen it in a lot in show business it's also the case for a lot of like business business in that you want to cater when you make decisions you want to cater to the people who are on like the the peripheries of your user base or your fandom right you don't want to necessarily cater towards the fanatics because whatever decision you make, for the most part, they're going to stick, they're going to, they might complain about it a bit, but they'll, they'll still be with you, right? You'll still get their business. Whereas it's the, the people on the peripheries that uh, could, could take or leave the product. And, you know, they're, they're the ones that you've got to make sure that you're, you're catering to so, th- so they decide to stick around or, or continue to follow you. So it's with that lens that I have to say that for me, as one of the people in the fanatic camp this is a bad thing Ooh, spicy. (laughs) i benefit very greatly from being able to select a 10 times weighted tournament as i went i feel like i was very very good at keeping track of all my results in all my different tournaments and making sure that by the time all of those tournaments ended my 10 times weighted was the one I'd performed best at for the month. There were a lot of like duds littered around in there, you know, one fours, one threes, etc. But because I was able to time it so that my, you know, five ones were weighted, I ended up ranking quite well. Now they've gone back to what it originally was where just your first ones count, no matter what, you have no agency there. So I think... I'm going to suffer a little bit. I probably will too. Not going to lie, because I did the same. Like, I'm very good at 
keeping track of my wins and picking my 10 times weighted. However, I think for the player base as a whole, mm. I think this is a very good change. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard complaints of, oh, no, like my tournament ended and I accidentally with the mm -hmm. 10 times weighted. Now it's just it's automatic. Like it's the first 40 rounds. <laughs> like it's very cut and dry and simple. Uh, I think that's more inviting than trying to figure out that math. So I think that's a simpler idea for the player base as a whole. Yeah. I also really like I, I can't tell you how much I like the idea of it discouraging battlers from leaving the tournaments early i think that's really like i very much agree with that i that that was always a a problem for tos who are running tournaments and also like a bit of a bummer for the other competitors when they see you know people losing their first two rounds and being like nah you know shove off i'm out of here <laughs> exactly the other problem though for me personally is that i play way more than 40 rounds every two months and so i'm now in a situation where i have to choose between playing less tournaments or just being in a situation where most of the tournaments that i play in month two just won't count for anything so i'm taking a look at my self card right now and i'm looking at the beginning of the season i did four self tournaments in october and five in november that was 49 rounds total on average, I only do four tournaments. I did an extra mm -hmm. one in November. And that extra one I did was a seven-round tournament. <laughs> so typically, I'm at 42 rounds usually. So this works out pretty okay for me. Generally, I'm looking back to, I tend to rank really good tournaments. But not all of my tournaments are winning. I had a lot of two win, three loss tournaments over the course of the whole season. So having those weighted equally as my five win one loss tournaments is going to probably not go in my favor, but mm. for the number of rounds, that's not going to affect me as much. So for me, I'm looking at just purely my most recent two months in Sylph, which was the last two months of season four of the arena, Architect Cup and Forged Cup. Architect Cup, I did 39 rounds of play and Forged Cup, I did 35 rounds. So if that were a wave, then basically my first tournament for Architect Cup would basically be the only one that was ranked, and then the other 34 rounds of play would have been just for funsies. So yeah, that'll be a big difference for you. For me, which I'm a little bit less of a fanatic, still a big fan <laughs> of self, still a big fan, just not a fanatic. I think it'll work pretty well for me. And for most people, still doing four tournaments a month is still a lot. Like, that's a lot of tournaments. I did 38 over the course of the whole season. Yeah, right, right. So that's that's basically where I'm at at the moment. I'm I'm making sure I'm keeping my mind on the people that this will benefit. <laughs> but for me personally, this is I'm, I'm a little bummed out. I think that's totally fair and it's good. It's rare that we have two different perspectives hmm. on this podcast, so I think it's good that we have two different perspectives here. Yeah, that rarely happens. What is your perspective? Are you interested in individual self in January? Do you like this change? Let us know. Send us an email. Send us a tweet. Send us a carrier pigeon. 
But let's move on from Sylph and go over to play Pokemon. Arlington is this weekend. I am very excited that I can talk about that I am casting alongside Wholesome, who is a Texas native, as well as Caleb Pang and Gabby Snyder. We'll all be casting in Arlington. That's December 16th through the 18th. We are so close to 100 players registered. It's probably going to end up being like 99 or something, but... Very, very good stuff. It'll be a fairly large tournament, and it's the last tournament here before the video game comes back. And we'll have the VGC players, and the tournaments will be absolutely bananas again with so many, so many people. So jealous. After Arlington, there's San Diego, California. That's going to be from January 6th to the 8th. That sold out really fast, and that's going to be a huge tournament again. The first time Scarlet and Violet, the video game series, that's the very first one. It's going to be bonkers. There's going to be so many people. Then Liverpool is January 21st. Registrations are open for that. Last check, there were over 100 players registered and registrations are still open. So if you are in the Liverpool area, even if you just want to spectate, I think it'll be a really good time. Uh, Yeah, so congratulations on being selected as a caster again for Arlington. Really excited for you. Thank you. I am also very excited. The new meta, the wing attack meta with all the flyers. Very, very... The era of wing attack. Yeah. The dawn of wing attack. Yes. So very excited to see if we're going to see a lot more flyers, a lot more anti-flyers, Victini, just random Pokemon that we've been seeing that have been doing well done sparse. I'm really excited to see what's all going to happen in Arlington, and I'm excited to report back about it next week. So that's our play Pokemon section. Time for some mailbag. And DeFi, we have a question from someone named Illusion. Illusion says... I recently started listening to GoCast and discovered my favorite part. I love the tips you guys give on what I should use. I started playing two months ago and I just reached level 31. I'm focusing on Ultra League. My deck is currently a 14-14-15 Gyarados with Dragon Breath, Crunch, and Twister, a Roserade with Poison Jab, Weather Ball, and Sludge Bomb, and Chandelure with Incinerate, Flame Charge, and Shadow Ball. Should I change anything? Also, I have a Shadow Mewtwo and a Shadow Snorlax. I'm hoping to build Shadow Snorlax and Shadow Mewtwo and Registeel. Any tips or opinions? Thanks. I'll let Fish on a heater give a little bit more information just off of PV Poke with the team builder. However, I can say that Snorlax is very good in Ultra League PvP. It works best as a safe swap. So if you lose the lead matchup, you bring in Snorlax. So you don't want to lead it. You want to have it in the back. It runs Lick Body Slam, and it has... Quite a bit of variety for its other charge move. You can run Earthquake. You can run Superpower, which is fairly common. Also, just Outrage. I've been surprised by Snorlax Outrage in the past. So Snorlax is a really, really good pick. Registeel is phenomenal in the Ultra League. However, it almost has to be at level 50. So it's one of the top Pokemon. But to get it all the way up to that 2500 level cap it's got to be pretty close to level 50 and you have to be able to trade to get the right ivs you want low attack and high hp and defense generally so registeel fantastic pick but you got to put in a lot of xl candy for it gyarados also is very good uh dragon breath crunch i wouldn't run twister on it i would probably change that if you have an elite tm for aqua tail uh otherwise outrage or hydro pump 
as a bigger move, I think would probably be a better bet. Yeah, totally agree with all of that. Uh, Another point I would add is that uh, you've got a pretty glassy team. So both Roserade and Chandelure are very well known for being high attack, but very low defense and HP. And Gyarados is is almost as much so it's not the bulkiest pokemon in the world so that team is going to be very heavy on shield usage it's going to make you need to use your shields early and then you have nothing left in the rest of the battle when it really counts so i do like that chandelure it's Kind of spicy, but it, I think it does have a reasonable amount of play. Maybe an option is to have the Shadow Snorlax and the Registeel in the back and lead with the Chandelure, because then maybe if you lose the lead with the Chandelure, you can swap in the Shadow Snorlax. If they have a fighter on their team, you can draw that out. You know, maybe take a shield or two with the Snorlax before bringing the Chandelure back in which should be able to take out that fighter and clear the way for the Registeel in the back. That's a strategy. That's one thing you could do. If you want to stick with Roserade, I would actually recommend maybe Grass Knot instead of Sludge Bomb because you're already getting some nice poison damage with the Poison Jab. Or Leaf Storm is a really nice hard-hitting move. The only problem with that is it lowers your attack by two stages after you use it. So it's most useful as maybe a lead Pokemon where you can throw the Leaf Storm and then switch out. So there's some strategies that occur to me right off the bat. I do want to quickly note about Mewtwo. Mewtwo is a fantastic Pokemon. One of the best Pokemon in the game. Doesn't work well in Ultra League. So I would recommend build if you're going to build your Shadow Mewtwo, build it for Master League. Level it up to 50 doesn't work well in Ultra Lead because it loses to the top things in the meta. It's going to lose to Giratina, Cresselia, Swampert, Trevenant, Talonflame. There's just so much that it loses to, and it doesn't have any really solid wins in the Ultra League. Master League, top 10, top tier, S tier Pokemon. Even in Great League, if you can get a Great League Mewtwo, still bad. Like, it's just, it's too, it's too glassy and it loses, like, for example, it's, uh, Mewtwo is going to lose to Galarian Stunfisk in Great League. Mewtwo is going to lose to Lantern in Great League. It's, it's not great. So if you're going to build Mewtwo, build it up to level 50 for Master League. And you know what? I did pop those three Pokemon that you're currently using into PV Poke to see what it said. The first thing that it recommended to me as a Pokemon to include in your team to cover its weaknesses was Registeel. So I think you're on a a pretty good line with that Registeel. Well, Fish, let's go ahead and get on to our shameless plugs. Mine is just going to be be sure to watch the recording of Arlington. It will be on YouTube and on Twitch at on the official Pokemon channel on YouTube. You can already... As of Wednesday this week, you can see that they have the live stream video set up and ready to go. And then it'll be on twitch.tv slash Pokemon Go. So be sure to check that out. And for me, I've had a busy week. I appeared with Brett and Gracie on the After Dark Ride podcast. That is a not safe for work podcast, so not meant for young ears. So I apologize to younger fans. 
The other show I appeared on was one called Good Morning Johto, which is a pretty new podcast run by a gentleman named Lane, and he basically structures the show like a morning radio show. He does it daily, which is amazing. I couldn't imagine doing this daily. (laughs) That's dedication. And uh, he talks about news from Pokemon Go, the TCG, and the VGC as well. So I encourage you to check that out. I will be on the episode that I believe he said it drops on Friday, US time. And with that, we love hearing your feedback. If you have any questions or suggestions for Fisher for myself, you can direct your feedback to pvpcorner at gocastpodcast.com. You can also send us a voicemail. Chris plugs that at the end of every episode. There's also a physical mailbox for GoCast. Chris talks about this as well. In the show description, you can click on more fish or more DeFi to take you to our other projects and ways to contact us. And with that, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so, so much, Fish and DeFi, for yet another wonderful PvP Corner segment. You two are fantastic week over week. And you can quote me on that. <laughs> okay, Mr. Kyle, I was too busy basking in the glory that is PvP Corner and Fish and DeFi. Can you help wipe my eyes and, and help me reorient myself? What's going on? It's time for emails. Oh, that's right. And one voicemail. Uh, Tyler did a pretty good job doing the the, <laughs> the emails theme. I just got I just got to say, uh, but let's start off with our first voicemail here. This one's from Travis. Hi, this is Travis again. Um, I was wondering if Pokey Genie and like GoFriend and other third party raid accounts were, or raid apps are going to get your account taken away. But like, if that is the case. I might not, but should I? Because I don't have very many people around me. I'm very rural, and it's just hard to play uh, four, four stars and up. So thank you. Bye. So this is a really good question, uh, and I feel like there's a lot of gray area when it comes to stuff like this when people are talking about you know third-party auto-catchers instead of you know the Pokeball Plus because – Pokeball Plus is not in production. And I have to say, I think, at least personally, I can't speak for Kyle, but my position on this is very similar as it is to the third-party catching devices. If you don't want to be banned, don't use it. That being said, uh, there are some approved ways that you th- that Niantic has either said, yeah, go ahead and do this, or it's been done in front of them, and they've uh, said that it's cool by not saying anything about it, like using Discord or Facebook groups to arrange... Uh, raids and doing stuff like that like that sort of communication outside of app is completely acceptable that's fine stuff that isn't acceptable to them is if it's some sort of hardware that they didn't approve on or if there's a software that's interacting with their app or their or your phone in in general in ways that they don't approve technically any third-party app is not really allowed but what they define as a third-party app is usually something that interacts with the first-party app directly. Yeah. Kyle, what do you think? Is, is that pretty much it, uh, or did I miss something? No, I agree. I think I imagine what prompted this message was there was an issue, and I don't know the exact issue, that one of the raid coordinators, I don't remember which one it was, had some kind of premium subscription where you could pay to be at the front of raid lines. 
and that got them struck down real quick apparently mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they had other premium stuff that you could pay for and other subscription type stuff but that one in particular for whatever reason was the one that drew the ire again i only heard about this in passing okay so definitely makes sense i don't think you're going to get in trouble for using it but it's better to err on the side of caution if you're worried about it i wouldn't use it but there is nothing wrong with using a discord to communicate with people niantic can't police something like that it is just the same as friends talking to friends in any other situation yeah yeah anything that would replace one-to-one the interaction of like calling a friend up and doing something or texting a friend right i I believe that that's completely in the right uh and you know we are not going to promote the use of any of these um but we but we can talk about them right like we go out of our way to now talk about third party third party catching hardware even though we're very aware of it because it's against terms of service so we don't want to get anybody in trouble by bringing it up right so when it comes to these other things i think it's a little bit more of a gray area i think the way that kyle put it out there is is smart so yep thank you very much for the voicemail first emails from cress and they said hey there my two favorite pokemon go dudes it's been a while since I've emailed you guys. I want to discuss what can only accurately be described as a debacle. I'm talking about the global Hoenn Go tour. Oh boy, here we go. I commend you both on discussing it fairly, and I'm absolutely mental over just how weird slash terrible it sounds. Kanto and Johto were pretty good in my opinion. Well, I'm similar to Kyle's outlooks on most things. I'm trying to take a page out of Chris's ever positive book and can say I'm stoked for primals, especially Kyogre. As you both know, I've been ranting about the Kecleon travesty for quite some time and just mystify why it wasn't mentioned. How could they not mention Kecleon? Justifiably, by the way. It's because uh, nobody can see him. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's there. Like we said before, you got to highlight the article. The text is invisible. <laughs> Back to the email. Deep breath. Anyways, since the Hoenn looks to be far less stellar than we imagined or hoped or tolerate. I would love to hear how you two would have the go to or go if you were in charge of it. Would you keep Deoxys raids or change out for something else? Would you keep Jirachi? How would you incorporate Kecleon? Would you add Aqua and Magma? I love both of your ideas and can't wait to hear your thoughts. If it were up to me, I would have Kecleon replace Smeargle or whatever the heck the paintbrush French dog as camera interactions. Typically ignoring the camera encounters as I do, I'd actually use the camera to look around to find refracted slash iridescent glitch to find and capture Kecleon. You know how Predator looks when invisible? Like that, but like tons of them. Hundreds. Yeah. I'd keep the primal stuff because they're rad. I'd keep the starters, but in eggs and wild spawns. I'd flood with Beldum. I miss Beldum Community Day and other Beldum opportunities and don't have any good shinies. And the unusual mods that have good shinies, Tentacool, Skitty, Snow Runt, Anorith. Add more Spinda variations. Love those drunk pandas. <laughs> Last but not least, I'd have Team Aqua and Magma be in Master Special Research Storyline. And each step you encounter a regional with heightened shine chance, so you get a chance to catch all of them. And in balloons, but change balloons to their corresponding logo and encounter the regionals with lower shiny chance. 
With Las Vegas tour being ridiculously expensive and this last Caldeo event being downright insulting, I'm really worried about Pogo's future. Don't get me wrong, I'm willing to pay for events, but the Caldeo event was yikes. Sorry for the long email, Cress. P.S. Would you consider doing Snowrunt and Glalie slash Frostlass in Pokalore? Glalie is a thing of nightmares. (laughs) Maybe next week. Uh yeah, we've done that before in the past, but we're not opposed to repeating, especially if it's very appropriate. Um, if we did cover Glalie in the past, we did not cover Mega Glalie. Uh, yep. So that would be fun to cover. But yeah. So so noteworthy changes for me from Hoenn Tour, I think, is Rayquaza and Raids Not the Axis is the biggest standout. And I, I mentioned my idea and I thought it was great and they still might do it. But having you work with Team Rocket to combat aqua and magma is such a good idea yeah and yeah. i just i i want to see aqua and magma at hoenn tour so badly and i don't know how you do kecleon at this point because they should have released it as a camera interaction two and a half years ago so years and it ago. would have been great it would have been fine perfect introduction and then they just now they've now they've painted themselves into a corner no pun intended. They, <laughs> they absolutely have. They absolutely have. I agree with you. But I like the way that Cress put out with, uh, you know, like, oh, there's an instance of, oh, for this research task or whatever. Look around with your camera and look for something strange. And then you see, like, you know, the one refraction. And you're like, oh, there's Kecleon. That'd be cool. Especially if it was in tasks. That'd be really, really cool. Uh, it'd be a similar to initializing something like the, the port key from um, Harry Potter Wizards Unite. Um, that'd be really neat. And I think kind of putting those in tasks would be a good way of sort of compartmentalizing those things within the game uh, without it being too invasive. I'm, I'm trying to remember, but I can't recall at the moment. You needed a Sylph Scope-like mechanic to force the Kecleon to fight you. Or, uh, or maybe you only needed to progress the story. Otherwise, it just sat there. I can't remember exactly, but I don't. you remember. didn't get to fight it initially. I don't remember clearly, but I think, yeah, one was just blocking your way and then it would just stand there and like triple dot you if you didn't, you know, have the right item. And then after that, when you saw the same, you know, middle zigzag on the overworld, you could, you know, battle it wherever, right? Yeah. But for the rest of it, I'm going to have to go ahead and agree with Kyle here. I think teaming up with Team Rocket and using those cool assets against Team Magma and Team Aqua would be cool. They did already kind of say that we were going to be teaming up with them. Uh, so if it goes that way, that'd be awesome. But ultimately I would really like the end of your, of your version, uh, related exclusive research to end with you fighting Archie or the other dude, um, Mm -hmm. at the end with their primal forms. But I would want it to be like a, you're in a raid situation and you have to go like in a big, a big, uh, like environment and you see Archie or the other person in the back, like giving that Pokemon commands, like in a new environment, not just a one-on-one battle. Give it some sense of grandness, of of specialty, of gravitas. You know, give it something in order to make it special, and that will be memorable. I, I think they really kind of undervalue how much a slight visual change can make the same mechanic feel fresh and new. You know, and so that'd be kind of cool for them to bring out there. I would push back against the spin variations because I feel like that would probably take some people all day. <laughs> I think we need more for sure, but I don't know about at the event, even though it seems like the most appropriate time and place to do it. 
I don't know. I have no idea how you go about that. I don't know. I mean, what do we have? Like 18 spendas currently? I think that's right. Something like that. Or, some, or close to that number if you're wrong. I, I don't think there needs to be more and go. It is great in the main series because it's always different every single one. But the way they handle it and go, it would have to be a, such a common interaction, yeah. which they've decided it's never going to be. I agree. I definitely agree. But other than that, I feel like the spawns were actually kind of okay. The Deoxys in raids, taking up the raid spots and not having Rayquaza is a problem. It really is a problem. I just don't know what the solution is. I Deoxys should have been four rewards in the tasks because that's all you really need. But Deoxys, like, okay, so when they're looking at these events, they're also looking at like who, what is what are players interested in? What are players going to spend money on? And I feel like Deoxys raids is is one of those things, especially for PVPers. So no. yeah, yeah, people need extra. Rayquaza players. raids make more will make more money without even a second guess. I think so too, but I think that the lack of Rayquaza just means that we're going to see it soon. Mm-hmm. Oh, this this is a point I want to share because I brought it up to Chris after we recorded our last episode together, and it really upset me. The wording for the raid pass says extra candy from five star raids. And I pointed out, hey, only Deoxys is in five-star raids. That's not cool. Mm-hmm. This value is really bad. I have I have actual confirmation that primal raids are counted as five-star raids. Oh, so if great. that was considering for you for buying that ticket, you will get extra candy from the primal raids. Was that confirmed by Niantic? Yeah, Dominic confirmed it on Slack. I even asked if I could share it. Oh, awesome. Oh. Well, CJ confirmed it, and then Dominic oh, cool. said I can share great. it. Awesome. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, because when you first initially said that, I was like, oh, geez, oh, golly, that's not going to be good. But I guess we're I guess we're golden then, huh? Yeah. Like, well, at least that's it's not horrendous. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. It's it's better than it could have been. Otherwise, that's that's positive. <laughs> all right. Well, hopefully this answered all of your questions here that you sent us. Cress, thank you so much for writing in. We appreciate it. Our next email here is from Artemis Dragon. And uh, this is from a couple of weeks ago. I'm sorry. I know I promised you to read it last week, but Kyle wasn't here. So I, I punted it to this week. So here we are. What's up, GoCast squad at large? Episode 214 really hit home for me. I probably listened four times while at work and out grinding. Don't judge me. Too late. Just kidding. Anyway, there's a lot that you spoke on that resonated with me. And now I'm finally able to sink my teeth into these juicy topics. The name of that episode, I believe, was uh, Sink Your Teeth In. So nice, nice reference. <laughs> First off, hatching 12Ks feels bad. Hatching them to get a non-shiny Skaroopy is just bad. I'm talking Pokeballs and sales boxes bad. With that said, Niantic should totally consider making changes to eggs. All the five egg tiers, actually. Wow, is it really five now? Like, instead of getting specific XL candies for that species, why not let every hatch reward you with Rare Candy XL? Suddenly getting one Rare Candy XL from hatching a 2-kilometer egg for your 500th Young Goose hatch or four Rare Candy XL for a Skrelp out of a 12K doesn't feel so bad. Who can be angry about Rare Candy XL? They're awesome. That's a good argument. I think that's that's far too much value. It would never happen. Uh, but yeah. I like the idea a lot. <laughs> On to Chris's situation. Yes, Guzzlord has a very weird throw. It's a bit far, but I find that you have to be gentle, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> it makes so much sense to me that that doesn't make a lot of sense because that's how it felt. 
<laughs> it was very strange and I didn't like it. I got used to it eventually, thank goodness, but it felt wrong each time. Side note, Toilet Bird, aka Pelipper as well, had a weird throw too during Greedy Gluttons. The ball would magically go into its beak every time and it drove me insane, uh, but not in a bad way. This was probably an Android issue, uh, though, so you were probably unaffected by it. Well, Kyle would have been because Kyle's an Android user. <laughs> uh-huh. December Community Day weekend. I'm in agreement with you both. I feel like it's not that necessary for us veteran players. As someone who is a PvP enthusiast and into PvE, this year just didn't bring it home for me in the exclusive move department, and I will fight anyone who disagrees except for wall rain. It's still popular in ultra league. Probably a large portion of people that have found a greater use for them are new or returning players who need raid attackers, which is great. But if you've been playing consistently for years, there really isn't anything super important that made any waves minus wall rain yet. So yeah, this year to me was definitely for the new and returning players. However, I would love a gibble that was here last year to build a great league guard chomp. Hopefully, they won't be raid-locked in December. Oh, I'm not sure if they are. We'll have to check. See if this email aged well or not. On to the research breakthrough poke poll question. This is from a while ago. I know some want legendaries, mythicals, and now ultra beasts in them, but I believe those days are over. They existed in those boxes at a time before remote raids and PvP existed, right? As a means to help people who couldn't raid for them. But now that we have remote raids, doesn't that defeat the purpose of needing them in research boxes? And wouldn't these level 15 Pokemon cause crazy meta shifts in Great League if all of a sudden you can get a 1500 CP Giratina or Giratino? Short answer, absolutely. But there is something they could add to research boxes that would make everyone swoon. Poke coins, baby. I 100% agree with that, please. <laughs> Lastly, I have a question for you. Are we overdue for new shop items or price changes to more existing items? The OG incubator, in my opinion, is no longer a premium item, especially in boxes where it shares a space with the super variant. Lure modules still costing 100 coins makes little sense to me, when at any given time you'll just get regular and event spawns for 30 minutes. 100 poke coins for everyday weather boosted and biome encounters? Hard pass. They did make changes to the cost of the poffin and incense, which was great. The slight reduced cost for special lure modules was okay, but I wish they could make more changes for some of the items. What's your take on this? Thanks for sticking through with me on an extra long email signed Artemis Dragon. Okay, so the only part that we have not answered yet is uh, are there some items we feel like their prices need to be changed uh, in the shop? My answer is all of them. If you're going to make these boxes this, this poor, lower all the costs. Yeah, I mean... If you want to make the boxes in the pricing that you do, you'll still make the money back if you lower the prices of the regular items because people will just buy what they need instead of what they're forced to, yeah. if that makes any sense. But realistically, no, because they all have these prices to make them look more expensive so they're cheaper in boxes. Right. I yeah. Uh... So the only change that's going to happen is prices will go up. I would not be surprised to see a lure module cost 150 poker coins, which would be hilarious. I would, I don't know who would ever buy that. But, no, no, they would have to, but it makes it look better in a box for people who don't do the math. It, it does. But, it does. It makes it look better in the box, but it makes the entire economy ecosystem feel worse overall. Agreed. Yeah. 
Agreed. That said, uh, Pokemon and research breakthroughs real quick. Yes, it would let you have fifteen level 15 Pokemon that you otherwise couldn't get. That's a positive. It's just exclusively a positive, I think, because it, it allows more variety and more more things to be available. Yeah, and it gets more people excited when Giratine Ah is back in research breakthroughs so that they can get their PvP one, you know? Yep. Yep. So, I mean, it just adds more engagement to other parts of the game. And everything does come back until it doesn't, I guess, in this case. <laughs> yeah. But thank you very much, Artemis Dragon. We appreciate it. Our last email is from Anonymous. And they said, hello, Kyle. Hope he's here. And Chris. Here. Hello. I'm so glad that you got my first email and it makes me feel heard. When I said experiment, I wanted to know whether or not there were too many people to be heard. But this makes me feel like I'm in such a welcome community, even though I don't have much to contribute to it. Considering I'm relatively low level and don't have enough of a player base outside of my brother to raid in person, I've been using various methods to join and host remote raids online or to fill that comfortable five or six person raid. Part of me thinks, why else do remote raids exist but for this use? I wonder your opinions on it. Does it go against game philosophy to remote raid with a website or Discord server? Or is it helpful for those who don't have a larger raid group? I'm very sorry for the long email, and it makes me feel self-conscious hearing it read out loud. But thanks a lot. Shundo vibes all. Ooh, nice. Got to up that phrase. All right. So this one is interesting because the primary question is, why else do remote raids exist except to host lobbies across Discord for your friends or for people you have met? And I think the answer and the takeaway is supposed to be so you can do any raid you see on your map without having to be near it. Not specifically so you can do raids from across the world with other people. That's just the actual advantage of it. But I don't think that is the intended goal originally. I mean, remote raids were rolled out when we were in our first slew of lockdown for, for um, COVID. So it's difficult to say one way or the other if the way that it's being used is the intended use or not. I think Kyle's probably right that ideally they were going to probably just be like, okay, great, that's across the city or in a spot where I can't really walk to right now. Uh, let's just hit that up from here. But yeah, it really did kind of turn into you know ways to organize things across discords and across fast distances and raid in Europe when you live in California. You know, So yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say, but I think regardless of what its original intention was the use of it and therefore its intended use because they haven't done anything to combat this usage is yeah i think remote raids are specifically now geared mostly for people that don't have a lot of people to raid with and need to use an online community in order to make that happen i think that's a safe assumption there and i think lastly just really quick you know it doesn't really matter if you haven't played a whole lot or not uh honestly one of the viewpoints that we are lacking on this show, usually at all points in time, is, oh, hey, Kyle and I have been playing this forever. I'm, I've hit level 50 now. I have zero concept of what it's like to be new playing this game. So whatever questions you have and things like that are instantly valid because uh, we would not have been able to come up with them on our own. <laughs> so please, uh, please, we hope that you continue to feel comfortable writing in. And anybody else listening, your question is not you know, unworthy of being asked or your comment is not unworthy of being heard. So please feel free uh, to send them our way or uh, just feel good about sharing them with your friends then. 
We also had mm -hmm. two other emails, but we are running real long here. So we're going to uh, push them to next week. Thank you so much, everybody that wrote in as always. And if you, dear listener, would like to send us an email, just like these fine folks did, you can by sending it to mail at gocastpodcast.com. Want to go the voicemail route? Great. Call 262-586-7717. Or you can just email us at the aforementioned uh, email address, your audio file, and I'll take it from there. No problem. Visit our website, gocastpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at gocastpodcast. And uh, help support the show monetarily via Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash GoCast podcast. And shout out to our elite trainer tier patrons. Kyle, welcome back. We're going to get those lips moving and, and warmed back up. It's your turn. I think I did it two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, you did. Okay. I tried to do it this past week. So I'm just taking <laughs> I, it easy over here, man. I see how it is. So shout out to our elite trainers. Bo, Daniel, Andrew, Lori, Michael, Ozzy, Ted, Tish, Ben, Marvin, and Mimi, Sports, assuming Ryan, Thayer. Jason, Justin, Charles, Motters, Lee, William, Brandon, Ethan, Stephen. Woo! Nice. There was only just a, a slight little pause in there for you to like, where, where <laughs> am I again? And that was perfect. Yes. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you very much for all of you that were just listed for helping us keep the digital lights on. And if you'd like to help support the show otherwise, please leave us a review. It helps us out immensely wherever reviews can be left. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. We appreciate you. Okay, last things last, Kyle. We got to set some goals. It is community day, uh, December community day weekend this weekend. So keep that in mind. All right. I'm, I'm keeping it real simple right now because I'm not playing a whole lot of Pokemon Go lately. But I want to get a Mega Glalie. And I want to try and finish the community day research. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now that's not going to happen. But I'm going to try. Okay. So fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. You don't want to be catching Porygon in July, two years later anymore? No, I will be. I'm going to be on the dino step wherever it is for the next two years. It's not even going to be a question. I can't play on Sunday. I can't just, what am I going to do? I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Take it. Take it. I literally start work at 2 p.m. <laughs> it's really unfortunate. I'm sorry. Uh, I shouldn't. I shouldn't laugh. It's sad. I shouldn't laugh. Yeah. Yes, it is. Gosh. <laughs> all right cool i think i think those are doable at least you know cd research it'd be cool to see how far you can get hopefully you've had you'll have more time than you think for some reason that'd be neat yeah uh, for myself i want to catch 50 shinies that's not going to happen it's a lofty goal but we'll see 50 shinies uh total 500,000 stardust max fuzz aldrin my 100 litten uh, a nest that is a reference to moonfall the movie and finish my community research as well i think that's it so thank you very much, dear listener, for listening all the way through. We appreciate you greatly. And uh, until next time, shiny vibes, have fun with the community. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.